everyone. Welcome into this end zone edition of the WTFC Sports Podcast. Jake Wallace and Lindsey Goff coming to you a day later than we normally do these, but wanted to talk about the Georgia Southern game last night uh, that happened in Statesboro. We'll get to that um, in just a minute. But Lindsey, it's been a, a it was rainy last night, but a fun night in Statesboro. And we've got some really good games on the high school football schedule this week. And then also some big news happening in college football as it pertains to Saturday. We'll get, we'll get into all that a little later. Let's talk about this, this docket that we have for Friday night. Really some high-impact games this evening. Absolutely, and I don't even want to beat around the bush. Our game of the week, a rivalry matchup that you'll be at, Jake, Calvary Day at Savannah Christian. That always seems to be a good one, no matter what record they come in with. It doesn't matter. That's a rivalry game, kind of playing for that private school Savannah bragging rights. And uh, I have no doubt that tonight will live up to that hype. Yeah, I spoke with um, both teams earlier this week, and, and Blake Brown, a senior cornerback over at, at Savannah Christian, said it best. He said, I've been going to Savannah Christian for 12 years and he said that purple team always gets me mad. Um, these these schools, you know, there's respect there. They're both Christian schools, but they they don't like each other on the football field. They play hard and they want to beat each other. And not only is it a rivalry game, but it's also the region opener for both of these teams in a four-team region. So there's not really a whole lot of room for error. You almost kind of have to go undefeated uh, to to be sure that you win a region championship and both teams know to go undefeated, Lindsay, you got to win the first one. I'm not a mathematician. I'm not a very smart person in a lot of means, but I do know that you can't go undefeated in region play if you don't win the first region game. And that's going to be the goal tonight for both these teams tonight in Pooler. The Raiders coming in on a three game win streak and they've been just tremendous on offense led by Spencer Robichaux, uh, top 20 in the state, all class in passing. He's also the leading rusher for this team, over 400 yards. He's thrown for 15 touchdowns. And he's got a duo on the outside at wide receiver in George Fudge and Eli Brown, who they bring down the, the passes he throws to him. And a lot of times they take him for touchdowns. 932 yards on 47 combined catches, 12 combined touchdowns for Futch and Brown. This Raider offense is good, and they can be really good, and they can score in bunches, and it all starts with Robichaux. Yeah, Calvary Day off to a 4-3 and three start, but you kind of have to throw all of that out the window during a rivalry and the region opener. It's almost like a reset. Um, Greg Daniel, though, 761 yards for them this season, seven touchdowns. And their freshman quarterback, I'm probably going to butcher his name, Jake, Jake Merklinger, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. 13 touchdowns. He's been impressive, but, you know, this offense goes as Daniel goes. The Army commit, the senior running back, um, has has been really good this season for Calvary. You see the the 761 rushing yards, seven touchdowns. He's averaging a little more than 100 yards and and seven touchdowns a game. I think this Calvary team – has lost three straight in this series, including they had their season ended in the first round of the state playoffs last year by Savannah Christian. They had dominated this series for about for a number of years before Baker Woodward, a Calvary Day alum, mind you, 
got to Savannah Christian, you know that these Calvary kids want to get this series back in their favor. A, a win tonight, I think, would be really kind of the start of maybe a push from Calvary as we get to the playoffs, as we get towards um, later in November, what this team could really be. We mentioned Merklinger, the freshman quarterback. He's played very well, uh, especially for, you know, a 14, 15-year-old kid playing against high school juniors and seniors. He's played very well, been very competent in that position. But I think tonight, if Calvary's going to win this game, you got to keep the ball away from Robichaux and Futch and Brown and that Raider offense. I expect some heavy rushes from Daniel as Calvary tries to kind of grind the clock and, and use their Army commit at running back to, to see if they can knock off uh, the Raiders. Another game that we're going to have coming to you tonight is a battle in Region 2-6A. Brunswick at Richmond Hill, both teams coming into this game undefeated in region play, both 3-0. Only a couple weeks left in the season, Lindsay. The winner of this one going to certainly have the leg up towards a region title. Yeah, Richmond Hill comes in 6-1, Brunswick 5-2, but they're both undefeated in region play. Um, you know, we've mentioned Brunswick many times throughout this season, and we've seen Richmond Hill several times. Um, Richmond Hill just really goes to work on offense and kind of grinds the ball down your throat. Um, so it, it'll be fun to see. Uh, Reese Simmons for Brunswick has 747 rushing yards and seven touchdowns on the year. K.J. Lee, 11 touchdowns. So it's an explosive offense, I would say. Um, we've got four straight wins down in Brunswick. Yeah, the Pirates have really come on uh, recently under under Sean Pender. And we, and we have to mention, you know, Brunswick 5-2, and two, both their losses have come to ranked teams, Pierce County and Benedictine. So this is a good Pirate team. Richmond Hill has won seven straight region games. They are really the, the class of this region right now. And like you said, they're going to run it down your throat. There's no surprise about what's going to happen from this Wildcat offense. It's a Shad Roberson. Who's, who's gone for 100-plus in each game this year. He's got 10 touchdowns. Last week in Effingham County, they actually, you know, went over the top a few times. Tyler Coleman's completing nearly 65% of his passes. He's thrown for seven touchdowns. They're not going to throw it a ton, are the Wildcats, but Coleman's been very effective when they do. Both these teams kind of similar in, in how they attack teams. They're going to run the ball at you. They're going to take some shots when you give them the opportunity. I'm really looking forward to this game. I think it's going to be a, a battle uh, between two teams that like to be physical, that, that like to push everybody around. Richmond Hills won the last two in this series in pretty convincing fashion. And, and this Pirate team, you know, the way they won at Glen Academy with the, a tipped pass that lands in the hands of their receiver and he takes it to the house uh, with about a minute to play, it's, it's those kind of victories that make you start wondering, you know, if, if this team has got something special in it, if it, you know, team of destiny, you hear that all the time. If Brunswick can go on the road and beat Richmond Hill, you know, they've already got Glenn Academy in their rearview mirror with a victory over the Red Terrors. Uh, if Brunswick wins today, it's, they're going to be a massive favorite to, to finish the season off as region champions. And, and I think that would, be a pretty special season for a pirate team that, is, that has wanted one uh, in recent years. So that's going to be a fun one, 7.30 tonight at Wildcat Stadium. 
A little bit down the road, down I-95, another good win in single-A football. Metter visiting the ship in Darien to take on McIntosh County Academy. The Tigers of Metter have simply been suffocating and dominant this season. 6-0, 3-0 in region play. They are ranked number one in Class A public. They have been for a few weeks. Their first time number one in the polls since 1982. And, Lindsay, we talk a lot about this defense and how good they are. I've seen them a couple times in person. They are everything they are hyped up to be. And these numbers are staggering. Okay. Take a listen to this, everyone. The Metter Tigers defense leads the state, all classes, every team in the state of Georgia in points allowed per game, 1.7. The Tigers have given up just 10 points this season. They have four shutout victories, including three straight. Nobody has scored on Metter this month. Okay, that is as good as well, you can say it's better and better, right? Yeah, there, you can't get much better than the defense has been for the Tigers this season. And look, they don't get a lot of pub for their offense. They go wing T. They're going to run the ball. They're not going to throw it a whole bunch. But it's a really interesting showdown for what MCA brings to the table. And what they bring to the table is the class's leading rusher in Trenton Johnson, who's fourth in the state all-class, over 1,100 yards, 15 touchdowns. The senior is averaging nearly 200 rushing yards a game. So you want to talk about a clash of titans? How about one of the best rushing games in the state of Georgia going up against arguably the best defense in the state of Georgia? I really think you broke it all down there, but that's going to be a matchup. Certainly worth seeing. Um, I can't wait to see how that one turns out. And, and I do want to add this. You know, we, we talk about Metter, and they're undefeated. They're 6-0, and 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 they've been just, as we mentioned, dominant and suffocating and all the adjectives you can give to what this team has done. MCA has been really just as impressive, if not really yeah. as much under the radar. The Buccaneers have won four straight games. They are 4-0 against Class A opponents this year. Both their losses came the first two weeks of the season. That was to Class 6A Glen Academy, Class 6A Brunswick. The, the Buccaneers were punching up early on, and they took some losses for it. But as they've gotten back into kind of their weight class, they've been unstoppable 4-0 and winning in, in big fashion as well. Absolutely. It paid so off. I'm really, I'm really looking forward to that game. And, of course, and, and we mentioned with that, that Brunswick-Richmond Hill game, the winner gets the leg up towards the region title. It's the same thing in this game. Only a couple games remaining for both of these teams. They have looked like, you know, the two best teams in that region by far so far this year. And so you do have to figure that, hey, whoever wins this game, unless they have some kind of slip-up in the last few weeks – they're going to be the region champ. They're going to be the one seed going into um, the state playoffs later this month. So those are three games that we're really looking forward to tonight. I, I, to me, this is the biggest Friday night we've had so far this year just because of the rivalries that are in play, the stakes that are in play, and we've still got you know another month of the season. But I'm really excited about this Friday night. Absolutely. So it was a late night last night in Statesboro, that Georgia it was. Southern. Yeah, we're 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 doing this a little early this morning uh, after a, a 
a late night in Statesboro, but a good night for the Georgia Southern Eagles. 24-17 winners over South Alabama. Lindsey, you and I were both there. The Eagles improved to 4-2 and two overall, 3-2 and two in the Sun Belt. And, Lindsey, it felt like Georgia Southern uh, got back to Georgia Southern football, ran the ball for over five yards of carry, 250 rushing yards after a really just abysmal performance offensively against Coastal Carolina less than a week ago in which they had less than 225 total yards, ran the ball for only 119 yards. To see what they did against South Alabama last night um, felt like what you expected to see out of Georgia Southern this year, especially in the second and the fourth quarters when I felt like they really uh, turned on the gas and took, took, took the game over. Yeah, one thing this Georgia Southern team does and that they could improve on, though, they leave the door open for their for their opponents. You know, uh, I mean, South Alabama had a chance to win it there at the end, and the pass was incomplete on fourth down with like a minute or less than a minute to go. And right. they, they've done this before, and they were tied with Coastal Carolina last week, and then they left the door open, and Number 25, Coastal Carolina, took advantage of that, and I think that's the difference between a ranked and a non-ranked opponent. But as they get down into it, you can't keep leaving that door open. You've got to put these teams away when you have the chance, especially when you're at home. And it seems like Southern plays well in the rain. I think they like the bad weather because last year we had several cold, rainy games, and they always won. And so – I don't know if they like the rain. It suits them running the ball, but they always play really well when it rains. So I guess that's a good sign if you're an Eagles fan and it rains on game day. Personally, I don't enjoy it that much, but that's okay. I'm getting paid to be there. But they've got to close on these teams when they can. You mentioned that, and and one thing that that Coach Lunsford said last night in his press conference, he said, I'm proud of how we finished, and they did. You know, Southern was down 17-10 going into the fourth quarter. Wesley Kennedy scores two fourth quarter touchdowns and and that was the difference. And, and it was the same situation. They were down seven going into the fourth quarter against coastal a week ago. Didn't finish out the game. Well, Lunsford coach Chad Lunsford mentioned that in his press conference last night, but he also mentioned a little bit of what you said. He said, we missed some opportunities. He said, we probably could have had 31 or 38 points on the board. We just shot ourselves in the foot. And so, you know, this is a team that still believes they can get better a team that still believes they have not played their best football yet. I will say their defense continues to impress. Uh, they allow they they held South Alabama to just 64 rushing yards. That's less than two yards a carry. Had five sacks as well. Um, really were getting after uh, the South Alabama quarterback and, and forcing them into some, some hairy situations, especially late in the game. You could really see – Raymond Johnson the third in that defensive line kind of pinning their ears back and coming at the Jaguars late in the ball game. We mentioned those two those two touchdowns by Kenneth Wesley Kennedy and the BC alum, 91 rushing yards. That second touchdown, I I don't know how he scored, um, but <laughs> this this kid is special. I said kind of before the season, I was speaking with Danny Reed, the play by play guy, and and I said I think he kind of gets lost sometimes because he. He's kind of more of an athlete than a running back and a wide receiver. He kind of does it all. And so it's hard to sometimes put him in a, in a, he's kind of a square peg to put in a round hole sometimes when you're looking at all Sunbelt teams and this, that, and the other. 
that guy's as good of an offensive player as anybody in the Sunbelt Conference. And he showed it again last night. Lunsford mentioned it in his presser. I'll take Wesley Kennedy one on 11. We've got to get him the ball as much as we can. Seemed like they did it last night, and you saw what the results were offensively for Georgia Southern. And now this is where it is moving forward. Now you have a little bit of a mini bye week, a couple extra days before Troy comes to town next Saturday. Southern has six games left in the regular season, four in Sunbelt Conference play. Four of those six are at home. Three of the four in Sunbelt play are at home. So Southern playing well at home this season, traditionally playing well at home. Maybe the makings of a late season run here for the Eagles if they can continue to improve and take advantage of some home games. Yeah, for sure. And worth noting that last night was their 200th win at Paulson Stadium. You mentioned they typically do pretty well at home. 200 wins inside Paulson. Yeah, so I'm looking – I'm excited to see what the rest of this year is going to be for for Georgia Southern. They've got Troy coming to town Saturday for homecoming and then uh, Texas State the week – a week later – you know, if they get two wins there, they beat they beat Troy. They're at five and two. They get Texas State. They're at six and two. And then you're five and two in Sun Belt play. And you know, who knows? This conference has has typically shown that upsets can happen. Southern in a little bit of a hole with two losses and a loss to Coastal. But who knows what's going to happen over the last half of the season? But last night, I don't think was a must win for Georgia Southern. I said this last night on on the news at the news at eleven. Um, last night wasn't a must win by any stretch sixth game of the season you're mid halfway through the season but after the loss at Coastal the quick turnaround being at home national TV against a program you've never lost to that you've dominated your entire you know as long as you two have played felt like Southern needed to win that game to kind of get the energy get the juju going again uh, for for Southern fans and this program and it was a seven-point win. Um, the defense was dominant. The offense looked good. I think Southern kind of got some some good vibes going again last night. Now we'll see how it carries them through the rest of the season. Some good vibes. There were some feisty vibes. We had a few scuffles, one pregame and one going into the half. Uh, it appeared that these two teams didn't like each other very much, but Southern able to pull off the win and you said it wasn't a must win, but it did almost feel that way. Like they needed to come back home and rebound from that coastal loss and kind of reset. And I think they did that mission accomplished. And now we, like you said, they have a long week to prepare for Troy. So I think Southern's in a good place right now. So the, the big news that from the college football world dropped kind of first half of that game last <laughs> night. And it's that Clemson quarterback, Trevor Lawrence has tested positive for COVID-19 he will miss Saturday's game against Boston College. The Tigers are favored to beat the Eagles there. Um, Clemson is going to be favored in, in every game they play. But the, the question now is, what does it mean for Lawrence's status at, uh, against Notre Dame in two weeks? It's about 10 days away. Clemson doesn't appear to be shutting the door on the possibility that Lawrence could play, just saying his status is up in the air. Tigers head coach Dabo Swinney confirming last night Lawrence's uh, positive test result, saying he's experiencing relatively mild symptoms. 
obviously, you know, health and safety first, best wishes to, to Trevor Lawrence to, to get feeling better and, and recover and be okay. Um, but he's one of the biggest stars in college football. He makes, helps this Clemson offense go. I don't think they're going to have trouble with BC. This is an improved Boston College team, but Clemson is still Clemson. They should still be able to get past the Eagles. It would, it would be a little bit sad if Lawrence is not able to play against Notre Dame. Just from a college football fan perspective, obviously, you know, health, like, like I said, health and safety comes first. Completely understandable if he can't play. Um, but I think that, you know, we'll, it's something we're going to continue to watch over the next few days. We know he's not playing Saturday. We'll see what happens as the week and, and Lawrence's recovery pro, uh, progresses about his status for Notre Dame. That's, I think, the the one that we're going to be watching over the next few weeks is just how does this impact that big-time game in eight days? Yeah, I was reading about it, and the ACC has a 10-day mandatory isolation period um, for COVID. But what's not clear is if the 10 days start from the onset of symptoms or from when you test positive. So he was tested on Wednesday, got his positive result on Thursday, but we don't really, they didn't really say when his symptoms started. I'm sure that's probably on purpose so that we don't really know when that 10 day period ends. Um, Like you said, they'll be fine against Boston College. You have one five-star quarterback, you replace him with another, they'll be fine. But (laughs) the Notre Dame game is the one that everybody's kind of looking toward right now. they said he's also going to have to pass uh, several cardiac tests before he can come back because uh, we've seen that in several athletes that had COVID-19. Um, they wound up with a heart condition also. So hopefully his symptoms remain mild and he can get over this really quickly. Um, and I assume he'll probably have to be tested again. I know personally three weeks after I contracted it, I was still testing positive. So hopefully that's not the case for Trevor Lawrence. Everybody is affected differently, Um, but a lot up in the air for Clemson right now. And this week, I think they'll be fine, but it's definitely next week that we're all kind of looking toward. Yeah. So it's, it's a situation we'll continue to monitor, you know, Clemson fans are going to continue to monitor it, monitor it. And uh, we'll let you know the latest as soon as we know the latest in the other college football schedule for you, Georgia taking on Kentucky in Lexington, that's a noon kickoff tomorrow. The Dogs have won 10 straight against the Wildcats, haven't lost to Kentucky in Lexington since 2006. How will the Dogs bounce back from the lost Alabama? That's going to be the, the storyline of this game is uh, can Georgia bounce back, and, and how is the offense going to look? A lot of questions coming out of that loss in Tuscaloosa. Uh, I think Dog fans would be much encouraged with a, an explosive offensive performance against the Wildcats, Lindsay's feelings notwithstanding. <laughs> also, Georgia Tech hosting number four Notre Dame tomorrow in Atlanta. The Jacket's going to be honoring that 1980s black watch defense wearing black throwback jerseys. Don't know if it's going to help against the Irish, but... But it's we'll going to look cool. <laughs> yeah, it, it certainly will look cool. We'll see how it'll play out on the scoreboard. Tech hosting their second top five team in the last three weeks, South Carolina off. And of course, as we mentioned, Georgia Southern victorious um, Thursday night against South Alabama. 
So that'll do it for this episode of the End Zone podcast, this End Zone episode of the WTOC Sports Podcast. Easy for me to say. We'll have all the scores and highlights for you tonight. I'll be live in Pooler site of that Calvary Day Savannah Christian rivalry game. That's coming up tonight in the end zone live at 11.15. You can see us during the news at 11. Lindsay, it's going to be a great time tonight. Looking forward to it. Thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks for downloading. We'll talk to you next week.